Goblet of Python, Episode 2, with Andrew Kushling, Jesse Noller, Brett Cannon, Michael Ford, and Steve Holden. Jesse, I'd like you to start on this one because you, God bless you, had the horrendous task of trying to, I mean, normally for choosing PyCon Talks, it's sorting the wheat from the chaff, but as far as I could tell, it was almost all wheat this year and there was a huge amount more of it. For those of you who are listening to this that don't know, um, I uh, I decided that because I I saw a bunch of people working on PyCon, they said, hey, listen, we need a uh, program committee chair. And program committee chair is, uh, I guess it's shorthand for uh, whipping boy. Stupid. And uh, (laughs) so uh, basically I took over as the PyCon program committee chair from uh, Ivan. uh, Ivan Kristic, I believe. Ah, so that's the correct pronunciation. So in any case, so I took it over and I said, you know, how hard is it going to be? We're going to review. We're going to review a bunch of talks. We're going to discuss them. We're going to pick the best ones. Well, very hard indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it, it probably if we had gotten the volume of talks that we have gotten in the past, I don't think it would have been nearly as painful. But instead, this year uh, for PyCon 2010, we got a grand total of 178 talk proposals, which is yeah. unheard of. Now, compared to last year, I believe we had 118, something like 120, 18, 12, yeah. 20, yeah, around there. So yeah. half as many so again. 50% increase. Yeah, 178 talk proposals. Uh, we were lucky. We had over 50 reviewers sign up. Unfortunately, many of those reviewers volunteered before they could uh, realize that real life tends to get in the way. So we actually had a relatively, we had an increased uh, reviewer pool, but a significantly increased number of talks. So what the program committee basically does is we turn around, we look at all the talks, we review them, uh, and we do this online via a web interface. We we vote, uh, we use uh, identify the champion, and we plus one, we plus zero, we minus one, minus zero, and we kind of vote on these. So we get towards the end, and all of a sudden it turns into marathon IRC meetings where we, all, we being the committee, me being the chair, sit down and we individually discuss and vote on each one of the talks. Um, I don't remember the exact number, but typically what we do is we start with the only positive vote talks, and these are talks that are all plus one, plus zero votes. Uh, we had well over a hundred of those. Out of 178 talks, the bulk of them had gotten positive feedback from the reviewers. This has serious consequences, uh, at least for the review committee, uh, because this means that we have to iteratively review these talks. We have to go through and say, okay, this one's good, this one's not good, this one's good, this one's not good, this one's good. We have to do that on the same batch of talks over and over and over until we get down to a relatively decently sized pool. And um, I think, Jesse, you really should emphasize here, as Jesse said, we had, how many was it, over 100 all positive votes. We don't have 100 slots for PyCon. I mean, originally for last year, 2009, we only had just under 70 slots. So we were well over positive talks compared to the number of slots. So this is not just, oh, we took just acceptable talks. These were good talks. Yeah, I mean, right. The evidence is clear that there are a huge number of good talks 
that have had to be rejected simply because there were other talks which you know, were marginally better. And well, the, the chair... It's the, the not com- just a case of quality. It's um, If we have a lot of talks on one particular topic, then... Yeah. We're going to have to reject more of those than, you know... Yeah. Got, got yes, you have to try and offer a broad interest of, uh, uh, in the conference. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, given current, you know, hype and trends, uh, there were a ton of web talks. Um, there were a ton of asynchronous programming talks. I mean, you've got things in the news like Tornado and Twisted and everything else like that. And so it's even talks, like, there were a few talks that were very well positive, uh, very positively voted and they actually survived some of the final rounds. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, we can only have so many talks of this type before I we think have to start. about 23 <laughs> talks on Tornado in the end, didn't we? <laughs> they were your favorite talks, weren't they, Jesse? Well, again, just, just to give people some idea of the, of the likely quality, I've seen uh, in the review process, I've seen talks where they were re- reviewed by four different reviewers, one of whom gave the the proposal a, a plus zero, and the other three gave it a plus one, and, and that one's not made it in. Now, quite apart from the fact that this means that we're going to have what I think will be an exceptionally high-quality program this year, there are also indications that the people whose talks didn't make it into the formal program will be organizing open source, sorry, open space sessions, and those open space sessions are also going to be absolutely amazing. It's it's one of those things where, as uh, as the chair, I, I really tried to have I tried to steer the committee towards making as objective decisions as possible, and it's one of those things where we all have kind of our pet subjects, and it's funny kind of watching the process because a lot of people kind of left their comfort zones to argue for a given subject or even a subject that was very controversial. Um, They actually argued for it and things like this makes it in. And I think that overall, the past has shown us controversial subjects on things that maybe aren't necessarily at the tip of the hype machine make the best conference because these are the types of talks people go in and they're floored and they're talking about it for months afterwards. Um, I, it's, I really do think that this is going to be probably one of the best, hopefully the best, of course that's me talking selfishly, um, PyCons we've had. And it, one of the things that um, is out there that I don't think people fully realize is we actually added an additional track of talks. I mean, we typically, historically, PyCon has four tracks. They're semi-themed, you know, maybe beginner, intermediate, web, advanced. But for the most part, they're they're kind of a mishmash. This year, I approached Van very early on, and I said, listen, if we get a lot of extremely high-quality talks, I want to see if we can burn the resources necessary to add a fifth track. And he and I were very positive on it. Now, Van, I should mention, being Van Lindberg, this year's yes. next year's conference chairman. Yes. So I approached Van very early on to say, hey, listen, you know, do you think we could do this? Now, there's some negative sides of that, which is if you add a fifth track, you actually increase the vol- you increase the number of talks, which means you have to have more talks running at once, which means people have to make harder decisions. But when you've got 178 really good talks, it doesn't make sense to kind of throw them out and say, you know, we only have this number of tracks. 
um, especially when we have the availability to add the fifth one, we actually have the room, we actually have the hotel, you know, saying we're cool with you using the space. So we now have a fifth track. We actually have over 80 talks that are going to happen. We've got a massive number of you know, we've got forty more 45-minute talks than we ever have, more 30-minute talks on broader ranges of subject matter. I mean, we've got twisted and, and don't, talks. And don't we have this year, don't we have this new thing, the, the poster sessions, which is another first for PyCon? It is indeed, yeah. That was an idea that came out of last year's PyCon, and it's something that's popular at academic conferences. Um, and it does mean that, that people get a chance to present their work uh, in a way that, that allows more people to see it actually because the posters are available generally throughout the whole conference and that means that you know as, as people are walking maybe from the exhibition area to the the next session they can take in a poster session and there's lots of interesting stuff that that, that people will be able to get out that way too yeah, for those of you who don't know know what a poster session is, is basically if you if you think back to grade school, those dioramas you always has not dioramas, but those posters you had to do for you know science projects. You know, this I is you know grade school. I was going to say the same thing, but it's all right because I I guess that Jesse was basically going to say for those of you who don't know what a poster session is, it's posters. Not necessarily. So, I mean, you, you always have the, you know, this is a poster. It's got a bunch of planets on it. And, you know, somebody says, you know, this is, you know, the way the planets are aligned and, you know, so on and so forth. This is the exact same thing, which means that, you know, somebody can sit there and do a lot of work. They can put together a great poster on a subject that, you know, may not may not otherwise get exposure. And they can just stand there and they can, you know, evangelize. They can show it to people. Um, they can do a lot of work to, you know, squeeze information which might be lost inside of a talk into a much different, in a much more succinct and compact format. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's worked out for the scientific community quite well. I just think it adds a very interesting aspect to the conference because you have talks for disseminating information out to a large group. You have open spaces for much smaller group discussions usually to hash out ideas and such. And then you have posters which allow you to kind of, once again at a smaller level compared to talks, broadcast, broadcast out information by staying there and having one-on-one -on -one conversations. So we have talking to an audience for talks. We have talking amongst a small group in open space. And now we have a single person with more one-on-one -on -one talks and posters, allowing basically covering every aspect of disseminating information and giving everyone a chance to at least somehow get some idea or piece of software or whatever they want out, and it's all being done at PyCon in 2010. Well, and, and not only that, I mean, just look at the, the list of invited speakers itself is awesome. Uh, I won't even describe that. I won't even give you their titles, although you can find that from the, the PyCon blog, but we've got Ian Bicking, Jeff Rush... Jack Diederich, Mike Fletcher, Raymond Hettinger, Bob Ippolito, Alex Martelli, Joe Gregorio, Ned Batchelder, Holger Kriekel, and Ted Leung, all giving invited talks. I mean, any I, I would be surprised if any of those talks aren't completely amazing. Yeah, it's, it's just, let's ignore the keynotes, let's ignore, you know, Oh yeah, yeah. ignore the, the keynotes. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's, ign let's ignore. The, let's look at the core of PyCon. I mean, we've got a killer list of invited talks. We've got poster sessions. We've got. I saw the tutorial list today, and those. Hey, look we, we've got a talk on awesome. robots in space, and another one on robots underwater. I mean, you can't beat that. 
Yeah, we actually we, we there was a there was a large discussion about whether or not it was actually technically legal for us to actually get rid of any talks involving robots in Python. Um, <laughs> I think we actually decided that there would be a longstanding rule: yes to robots, yes to Python. Go to go go to complete. But I mean, we we we've got we've got an amazing amount of great tutorials. We've you know added a ton of talks. We've got awesome invited speakers and from what i can tell the hotel looks you know just pure awesome yeah i've actually been to the hotel i've been to the hotel it's it the the conference advisors that that the python software foundation use seemed to favor the marriott across the road which was also i have to say an awesome hotel but uh the hyatt is just a, a fabulous space quite apart from the you know the the conference venue that we'll be using it's just a beautiful space it's got this huge 20 story atrium with uh, elevators going up and down in it and i'm sure it could it could uh, house a very good conference indeed this reminds me i did want to suggest to everybody that if you're coming to python i would like you to obey what they call in some of the science fiction conventions the 321 rule have any of you guys ever heard of the 321 rule apparently the rule is you're supposed to go for 3 hours sleep a night two square meals and one shower <laughs> I need my beauty sleep, man. Three hours of sleep? That's not enough. I sometimes get three hours of sleep at PyCon. The trouble is it's so damned interesting. You just don't want to go to bed and leave interesting things behind some of the time, you know? Well, I like I'm going to snap people's head off if I only get three hours of sleep, so I really don't think you want that from me. I like to find interesting things to pass out under. <laughs> <laughs> what, you mean like tables in bars and so on? Well, anyway, I mean, there you go. Uh, I think we can wrap it all up by saying that it looks like that Python uh, PyCon 2010 is going to be the most amazing PyCon yet. Yep. And everyone should come. Uh, Jesse, do you just want to outline the what are the registration fees this year? Oh Lord, I actually can't remember. Oh, of course, uh, you're the program chairman, not the conference chairman, aren't you? If you want to go to the PyCon in the U.S., then the URL is us.pycon.org, which will actually currently redirect you to the PyCon 2010 conference. Uh, it's on February 17th, uh, and sorry, the tutorials are February 17th and 18th. The conference days are Friday through Sunday, February the 19th to the 21st. And then there is yet again a four-day following sprint from February the 22nd to the 25th. Stay for the sprints. Yeah, so it's uh, the rates. So registration this year went up a little bit, but for the most part, the prices, we, we kept them in line, not too far off of last year. So corporate government early bird is 450 Hobbyist is 300 Student early is 200 Okay, for anyone who's listening and wonders what the hobbyist thing is about, clearly there are, there are some people who can't get their companies to fund a low-price conference. Uh, and so for them, the corporate rate would apply. The hobbyist rate is supposed to apply basically to anybody who wants to come to PyCon. And, you know, either their company won't fund them to come so they have to pay their own way, or it's to make it easy to get people who are interested in Python to get there. Now, clearly, because the Python Software Foundation is a non-profit, we want everyone who can do 
to, to come at the corporate rate, but if you can't come at the corporate rate and you can come at the individual rate, then we'd much rather you came at the individual rate than didn't come at all, because PyCon was started with the intention of being as inclusive as possible. And one of the one of the great parts about PyCon is that you get so many different people there to contribute their experience and, and their, their knowledge. Tutorials only, which is basically show for tutorials, it's $100 plus uh, the fee for the tutorials. So your first tutorial costs $120, uh, and this is all American. Additional tutorials cost $80 each. Also remember uh, something that was left out earlier is on the same days the tutorials are running, if you get an invite, uh, the Python Language Summit and... Uh, What's the second one? The other one is the Virtual Machine Summit. Yeah, basically these are areas where we, we get people... Well, the, the point of the VM Summit is to try to encourage people from other language implementations to come and share their knowledge and to learn what they can about Python's implementations so that we can, we can help to distribute and disseminate information that will be helpful to all language developers. The Language Summit itself is about the, the development of the language, and I think it was there last year that we got the announcement about the Unladen Swallow project, for example. But anyway, bottom line is, even if you're paying the corporate rate, you're getting a, a three-day conference for $450, which is pretty good value for money. Hey, speaking as somebody who, you know, all things being, you know, equal, still relatively new to the community, it's it's only been like six years now. Um, it's it, I can remember my first PyCon to this day, and they just keep getting better. I mean, the exposure to not just core developers, but twisted developers to, you know, Google engineers to just random people. It's fantastic. And the conversations that you have, you know, for instance, at lunch, you know, they can range from astrophysics to, you know, bike shedding about, you know, the name of a built-in. I knew that, I knew we wouldn't get through this podcast without you uttering the word bike shedding. Oh, why are you going to be that way? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, well, right, and of course, and of course, I should immodestly mention that that, that next year PyCon has something that so far has only been available at MacWorld. Am I correct, Jesse? What's that? The Steve Note. Oh yes, the Steve Note. Yes, so we gave Steve Holden, you know, current company, um, a PSF slash State of the Python Community. Uh, slot and it's that should be cool because I mean historically we've had you know Guido stand up and say this is Python um, and you, you actually br bringing that up is actually great because one of the other things that we've done is we sat down and well I sat down and I said what if we gave a 15 minute slot to each of the Python interpreters to give a state of so we're actually going to have you know, Guido is going to give a state of CPython. Um, Colin Winter is going to give a state of Unladen uh, Swallow. Um, we're going to have a state of Iron Python. We're going to have a state of PyPy. Um, all of these guys are going to stand up and say, here's where the interpreters sit. And Steve is going to stand up and say, this is where the community is and probably talk about, you know, very interesting subjects if you're into the community. Well, and um, I hope I hope to have some interesting things to announce as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a great time. So let me just say from Andrew Kuchling, Brett Cannon, Jesse Nola, Michael Ford, 
and myself, Steve Holden. Thank you very much for listening to A Little Bit of Python, and we hope we're going to be back with some more real soon. This has been A Little Bit of Python, Episode 2, featuring Steve Holden, Jesse Noller, Brett Cannon, Michael Ford, and myself, Andrew Cushling. Please send your comments and suggestions to the email address all at bitofpython.com. Our theme is track 11 from the Headroom Project's album Haifa, available on the Magnatune label. Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.